Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So Kyle Bass just came out on Bloomberg and was talking about real estate again. And you guys know Kyle Bass well. He's the one that made a killing of the real estate bust in 2008, the GFC. And uh, actually, Josh, let's just go right into the video. We can check this out and then we can discuss it. I'll give you guys my thoughts as soon as we get done with this one minute clip. In the last couple of weeks or so about the real estate market in, in the US, the commercial real estate market, what is your current assessment of the dangers linked to that part of the US economy at a time, of course, when we says how long the Fed is going to remain and keep rates on hold? How concerned are you about a breakdown in commercial real estate? Well, I, I, it's siloed, and, and I, I gave that warning. Uh, it was just a conversation I was having, actually, with the Bloomberg Editorial Board here. And uh, it's it's obvious that office is is having uh, enormous uh, difficulties. So when you look at the various silos of commercial real estate, you're looking at industrial, it still is performing incredibly well, despite the rate hikes. Uh, if you look at data centers, uh, you can't build enough data centers today. I think the AI revolution is causing a giant push for, for large and new data centers. Uh, the real constraints there are how much power can they get delivered to these sites and how much power can they hold. Uh, when you look at multifamily, multifamily is doing really well. So it's really, I see it I see it as office. And I think the banks in the US will lose $200, $250 billion in office uh, over time here. Uh, and they're about, there's about $2 trillion of equity in the banks. So it's like a 10% hit to US banking equity. Uh, and is that evenly distributed? Probably not. Uh, if it were evenly distributed, it wouldn't be that big of a problem. But I really think the focus on losses in U.S. commercial real estate is going to be in the office sector. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack right there. First and foremost, what I'd say is multifamily is having problems. And uh, I, Kyle Bass is uh, obviously a super smart guy, uh, knows macro very well. I think he gets focused more on Asia, China, Japan, et cetera. But I know a lot of people in the multifamily space. As you guys know, I'm, I'm partners with a guy named Ken McElroy. Most of you know him, uh, but he's with Kiyosaki, manages $1.5 in multifamily. Uh, Kenny is is the, the top of the heap as far as multifamily investors. I mean, he has his thumb on the pulse of this whole industry daily. He's out there living it, along with a lot of our members in my the mastermind that we have. And uh, they're seeing lending standards really, really, really tighten up. And it's definitely impacting their bottom line. And some of them are, are, are not just struggling, uh, but some of them could potentially uh, go bust. I mean, they're, 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 they're not in good shape right now, uh, to say the least. Some of them are, but some of them... It's uh, 2024 is going to be very difficult for them. Let's just say that. And so I, I would push back a little uh, there with uh, Kyle's view of, of multifamily uh, just because of the insights that I have from some of the people that I know personally. Now, as far as uh, the banking system, he says that spread out, that 10% hit to the balance sheet was spread out between all the banks. Probably not a big deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But since it's not, then you have banking failures. And what that means is the perceived counterparty risk increases. I mean, this goes right back to what we were talking about. It was either the first or the second video that we did today, this morning. And uh, we were talking about how the European banks are really constricting credit. 
And we saw this during the GFC in the United States, and we see it playing out right now in the U.S. When we go to a chart, I'll just pull it up real quick here because I know I've got it uh, on my on my uh, screen. We see a chart of credit in the United States. You look at the GFC, and you see it going down here, even when rates were zero, and we did quantitative easing. And then you look at the same exact thing happening right now. And so the variable there obviously isn't QE, because now we're going to do QT. That's not really 0% interest rates, because now interest rates are 5.25%, but you say the same phenomenon. Why? Because increased counterparty risk. And if you have this line, if, if it even goes flat, then really starts to decline and decline rapidly, that's where you get some serious, serious economic problems. And because of what Kyle Bass was saying, that this $250 billion worth of losses could be centralized on certain balance sheets, and that could create systemic risk because of the tightening of credit as a result of the increase in perceived counterparty risk. And then the the last thing that I'd say there, uh, something going back to what we talk about on this channel all the time as far as being bullish on commodities and energy long term in this commodity super cycle we talk about all the time. And uh, boy, if I'm building a portfolio right now, uh, this is really something that I'm looking at. He's talking about all the energy use. You know, we've got AI, this revolution. And uh, in fact, I was talking to one of our editors about that this morning. And this requires a lot of additional storage. Uh, I'm not a computer expert. You guys probably know more about it than I do as far as the hardware and the, the uh, uh, commercial real estate that's needed and the energy that's needed. But if we are going to move forward into you know, this AI generation, and if it's going to be like the internet, if it's going to be this uh, fundamental shift, right, this paradigm shift, then we are going to need a lot more energy, not less. And it's like our good friend Art Berman always says, energy is the economy, period, end of story. So if you think that AI is going to take, you know, let's say we go through a recession. That's what we've been talking about on this channel. That's what the yield curve is predicting. But then we come out of that with a lot of government spending in the next phase. Once we're past this recession, headed toward the next recession. But the next phase of the up cycle is driven by AI. And we do have nominal increases in GDP or real GDP increases, hopefully. Uh, that's going to require more energy, period, end of story. You do not get GDP growth without additional energy use. So again, that's why I'm really bullish on those sectors long-term for my own portfolio. It's not investment advice. I'm just telling you guys how I see this for my own personal, um, well, the, the, the two portfolios that I have for Rebel Capitalist Pro. I've got model portfolios there. If you want to check them out, you can go to georgegammon.com forward slash pro. Okay, now let's go over, once we understand what Kyle is saying here, Let's go over to an article that outlines some of the key talking points. So uh, we understand 200 to 250 in losses, uh, 10% of total banking equity. Although, as we discussed earlier, that can have massive impacts uh, because of that increase in perceived counterparty risk that can have a contagion effect in the banking system, not just in the United States, but outside of the United States as well with the euro dollar market and combine that with what's happening with China. And that's not doing anything to reduce the amount of perceived counterparty risk. <laughs> I could tell you that for sure. So this is something 
that it, it, it's it's not as straightforward as it seems when you just look at the numbers. Oh, it's two hundred and fifty billion of losses, and that's ten percent of domestic bank equity. There's a lot more to the story. So elevated interest rates, tight lending conditions are making it even more difficult for property developers. While Bass doesn't expect Federal Reserve interest rates much higher, expects wages to remain strong. I think this is pretty much just summarizing the video. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Let's go over to Jamie Dimon, though, everyone's favorite bankster, because I think he's got some insights that uh, would dovetail on what we're saying with this perceived counterparty risk and, um, you know, things that might. Uh, oh, here we go. I got the wrong article there. Here's the right article, Jamie Dimon. And the, these things would increase the perceived counterparty risk, increase or decrease the liquidity which could lead to, uh, or at least exacerbating, a recession that we may have, if not leading and being the main catalyst, the main driver into that recession heading in 2024. But uh, on top of that, Jamie Dimon says it's a huge mistake to think economy will boom with so many risks out there. And uh, obviously, the how this pertains to what we were just talking about is the commercial banking system is obviously one of these risks, especially when you look at it through the lens of how it impacts perceived counterparty risk. So key, talk, key talking points here, JP Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Dimon said Monday that while US economy is doing well, it would be a huge mistake to believe that it will last four years. I might say it'd be a huge mistake to last, uh, to believe it'll last for many, many months. <laughs> okay, topping his concerns include central banks reigning in liquidity programs by quantitative type. It's, he, can't, he cannot be this stupid. There's no way. He can't be, Josh. I, Josh, help me out here. There's no way that Jamie Dimon believes that liquidity is really controlled by the Federal Reserve. There, there's no way he's that naive. Yeah, I mean, he runs freaking J.P. Morgan, for heaven's sakes. So he's got to understand to us how the plumbing works here, right? So why is he saying this? You think he's just saying this because, you know, Jerome Powell calls him up and says, hey, Jamie, Jamie, do me a favor. Whenever you go into the media, make sure you make it seem like we are the center of the monetary universe. And he's like, yeah, Al, no problem. I'll help you out, buddy. You think that's what's going on behind the scenes? I have no clue. Uh, I, I would find it very difficult to believe that Jamie Dimon thinks that the Fed runs the universe. Or the but, 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 but just with liquidity, 
I mean, forget it with all these other things, but just with liquidity. I mean, how can you look at this chart of uh, what we looked at earlier and on a previous video and look at what happened with quote unquote liquidity during the GFC after, after, after the Fed dropped rates to zero and started doing quantitative easing, something they had never, ever, ever, ever done. In fact, they took the Fed's balance sheet from 800 billion, right, let's say 2007-ish, we're right around 800, almost 900. Then they immediately take it up to 2.2 trillion, 2.2 trillion. The Fed did that through QE, as well as dropping interest rates. And look what happened to credit, i.e. liquidity. It went straight down. Jamie, what's going now? You can say that it would have gone down further. Sure. But the, the Fed doesn't control the absolute rate of liquidity, especially during normal times. The banking system does. And that goes back to counterparty risk. If there's very low counterparty risk, I don't care how much QT the Fed is doing, the banks are going to extend credit. Why wouldn't they, for heaven's sakes? Those, they don't need bank reserves to lend. It doesn't constrict them. It doesn't constrain their balance sheet. So I hate to get off on a tangent, but obviously I didn't read this article in advance, and I'm just giving my thoughts as we go through. Okay, getting back to the article. Stay focused here, George. To say the consumer is strong today, meaning you are going to have a booming environment for years, years is a huge mistake. Here, I completely agree. Completely agree. And I think what he may be doing he can't come right out and say, hey, you know what? I think the economy is screwed because he is in that group of people that that have to or feel as though it's their job to kind of lie to the American consumer. Because if I don't lie to the American consumer, if I actually tell them the truth, then they're going to stop spending. And because I believe in Keynesian econ uh, economics, then that means the whole system is going to come crashing down and I'm going to exacerbate the problem. So the best thing that I can do for society at large is lie. He he is definitely one of those people that I would put into that category that believes this to be true. So you have to look at what he's saying through that lens. And if he's even willing to come out and say, wait a minute, the economy is not going to boom forever. That in and of itself, I think, is a very, very bearish signal from someone like Jamie Dimon. Same thing if Janet Yellen were to come out and say something like that. And he should know, too, because I cite the study that J.P. Morgan did that's, that predicts that within the next couple of months, all the excess savings from 2020, 2021, will go back down to zero. And they'll be right back where we were at 2019. I started talking about that nine months ago, but that was based on research from J.P. Morgan. And now I think what we're seeing with the San Francisco Fed where they're kind of regurgitating this information, I think they're most likely getting it from Jamie Dimon as well. So he's got to understand this. So the world's largest economy has defied expectations for a downturn for the past year. Whose expectations? This is, you know, this is one of my pet peeves. I've been talking about the inversion of the curve, as you guys know, for probably about a year now, and talking about how this leads to recession. Almost every single time, this leads to recession. There's no better economic predictor. There's no more accurate economic predictor than the inversion of the curve. But nobody, nobody that's been talking about the curve 
says that when the curve inverts, you immediately get a recession. I, I haven't heard anybody say that. Anyone who has studied history knows that you don't get the recession for usually 12, 18 months, if not longer. And then usually you don't get that recession until the Fed drops the front end of the curve. That's when you get the recession. So just because guys like me come out here and talk about how this is an ominous warning sign, this inversion of the curve, it doesn't mean that we're expecting the downturn to happen immediately. Oh my gosh, the curve inverted. There's got to be an economic depression tomorrow. Like, like nobody's saying that. So I don't know when they say that the expectations has defied expectations. Whose expectations are they talking about? I, I don't know. It's it's like they're they're making up this straw man that really doesn't exist. Let's keep going here. Last year, he warned a potential economic hurricane was on the way, citing the same concern, central banks, Ukraine conflict. Yeah. So look, when the yield curve inverts and you say, hey, what? Hey, look, there's probably an economic hurricane that's coming our way. And if it doesn't happen and you sit there and say, well, history shows us that usually it's when the curve is no longer inverted. That's when the stuff hits the fan. Does that does that void your prior view that we're going? No, it's it's exactly consistent with the view that there is an economic hurricane coming our way, meaning that it's off the shore and coming here in the future. It's not here now. But that doesn't mean that we should sit here and, and just because it's not here now, that's maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But just because we're not in a recession now, that doesn't mean that you should bury your head in the sand and say, well, my gosh, the unemployment rate's 3.8. We haven't had a recession yet. That's That means the, inver the inverted curve is dead. That means I shouldn't pay any attention to it. Now, that's complete nonsense. Only a fool would do something like that. Businesses feel pretty good because they're, they look at their current results. Those things can change. And we don't know the full effect of all this is going to be in 12 or 18 months from now. Exactly. I wouldn't even say 12 or 18 months. Usually it's 12 or 18 months from the inversion of the curve. And if when you have a recession, which you're eventually going to have, you'll have a real normal credit cycle. This is what we've been talking about on this, on this end throughout the uh, videos that we've done today. In a normal credit cycle, something always does worse than expected. And so that could manifest itself, going back to what Kyle Bass is saying, in commercial real estate, but that in and of itself could have systemic risks. I think that's the main takeaway here. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.